Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. Now let me put all of those three things that I've said together because they sound like they may be three different things, but they are one and the same. This is what God is saying to you. You have been familiar with the way some others have spoken to you about me and relate the messages that I've had for you. He said, but now I need you to understand how I speak to you. Just like Job did. So that's thing number one. Actually, that's thing number two. Thing number one that I was saying, which I didn't even know the reason why I was saying it, was there was a difference between Isaiah and David. But one thing that made their ministry stand out both of them, as different as they were in upbringing, in the way they fulfilled ministry, in the way that they wrote, they were both poetic. Poetic, But Isaiah was poetic in a different kind of way. David wrote more from what he felt. Isaiah wrote more from what he saw. Okay, just for the people that want to go and study these two people, uh, let me just quickly dwell on that a little bit. Most of what David wrote was about his pain, about his joy. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He wants to feel a certain way. But Isaiah, most of what he saw, it was almost as if he prophesied from a distance. Everything was to be seen. Everything was to be seen. Even concerning Isaiah, the Lord said, I have raised you up as a sign that men may see you and know that the day of the Lord comes. So he was someone that was very visual. And that was why when you look at, is it Isaiah chapter 6? He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. Right? He saw things. David felt things. I, Psalm 91, he was talking about the things that he felt, how comfortable he felt being under the shadow of his wings. Now, though they were very different, one thing was very common to the two of them. And that was the fact that they knew the power of God's presence. David always sought the presence of God. Isaiah's life and ministry changed completely when he encountered the presence of God. And so, thing number one is the presence of God. Thing number two is the uniqueness of the way God speaks to you. So basically, for you to know how God speaks to you, you need to get yourself familiar with God. And that, those two things culminate in the life of Job. Because when Job was being introduced to Satan by God... What God was very confident about when it comes to the life of Job was how much Job's heart pursued the heart of God. Job started his life by being an example of someone whose heart was after God. What was David's description in the Bible? God speaking, he said, David is a man after my own heart. The same recommendation that he gave about Job. But Job did not really fulfill his ministry until he had first of all become naked. Because he said, everything that I have has been taken away from me. And now I stand naked as I came from my mother's womb. And so shall I go to the ground. So after he had become naked like Isaiah, guess what happened? His life and ministry truly began. Isn't that amazing? Do we not see that there is a pattern here of what God is asking us to do? He's asking us to be a man after his own heart. And a woman also. So don't just delegate that to your husbands and your brothers. Okay, let us pursue the heart of God. And when we pursue him, what's going to happen? We will learn the way that he speaks to us. This, you can't make these things up. Let me tell you what happened to me earlier today. I was in the vision earlier today, maybe about 4 p.m. 
And guess what I saw in the vision? I saw people in the presence of God. They were different races. Like the Bible says, before the throne of God, I, may, I, I mean, uh, what's, what, how did, the Bible describes it this way. Um, um, in, in many tribes. Yeah, that's the word. Many tribes and nations were represented before the Lord and they were in the company of innumerable angels. And now we know, of course, we know that angels have different languages too. Did, did, did we? I hope we know that. That it's not like all of them speak the same language. You know, um, even myself, I didn't know that as clearly as I did recently wherein I saw some angels and they were speaking and the language was different from the language of the other ones. And I'm like, what's going on here? And they were like, these guys are warring angels. There's a way they have to speak to be able to harness the power of God for warfare. You see, and from that day, even me, my tongue changed from the day that I saw that vision. And so when I find myself speaking that language, I'm like, yeah, there's warfare going on. So, angels speak in different languages. Men speak in different languages. That's what we've read in the Bible. But what I saw today was that each and every one of them, from God's perspective, they were the same. So, the author of the, uh, of the guy who wrote the prophecy about the future of humanity standing before the presence of God, he said, I see men from every nation, from every tribe, every tongue, standing before the Lord of the heavens in the company of innumerable angels. That was what he saw from his perspective. They were different. But from the perspective of God that I saw today, they were all the same. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. So what's the point? Why make them of many languages when in fact, whenever any one of them stood in front of you, they sounded the same, they looked the same. You see, at the end of the day, this is what is at work here. Every one of us is made as an expression of God's individuality. But we connect to him the same way. You see, we connect to him the same way. But he wants to see you embrace your uniqueness. And that also affects the way that you communicate with him. And the way that you hear from him. Remember the woman by the well. In fact, my wife reminded me. She was like, oh, this Isaiah 45 we, you, you've decided to kind of like build a tent there. And I'm like, I said, well, that's, so I said, because you know, I've been reading from Isaiah 45, a lot lady and Romans chapter 14. And I was like, I was about to be defensive. I was like, yeah, I said, but it's very unusual. She said, it isn't. You have always been like that. In 2008, and she reminded me in 2008, most of that year, I preached from John chapter four. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> and she started telling me the things that I was saying. I was like, okay, maybe I did. Maybe. So, but then at the end of the day, I said three things that I was going to bring out of that is one, one, seek the presence of God. Let your heart be after God's own heart. Let your heart be after God's own heart. And I can, we, can, we can dwell on that all evening. Secondly, begin to appreciate the fact that there is a unique way that he speaks to you. And lastly is this. Let us learn how to review and assess our relationship with God. Can I say that again? We need to learn how to assess and review our relationship with God. Why is that important? Many of us forget that God is the one that was, that is, and that is to come. If you are only focused on what God is to you right now, you will be operating with such an imbalanced understanding and knowledge of the Almighty God. You always need to know how to step out of time into timelessness to relate with him as he was to you yesterday. It's not about getting stuck in the past, but it's about making sure you don't leave any precious treasures in the past 
Because let me tell you something from a kingdom perspective. Your treasures and your weapons are almost not any different. It took me a while to learn that, Alan. I thought that certain things were supposed to be kept as trophies. Saying when the Lord sent me to this part of the world, this was what happened. And I will put those testimonies up on the shelf as trophies. But then I will find myself struggling in the present. Unable to defeat certain enemies. And I used to wonder, I said, well, God, this, this thing that I'm facing is almost not too different from what happened when I was in Canada and you helped me to overcome. So why am I, why, why am I struggling now? And then one day the Lord said to me, let me show you. And they took me to the life of David. And when David was struggling to overcome the biggest opposition of his life, God took him out of the cave of Adullam. And where did he take him? He took him to the temple. And when he got to the temple at first, he thought he was there to reconnect with his friends, the priests, and also to eat because the men that were with him were hungry. But then the Lord says, no, it's because of the fact that this trophy that is on the wall is not just a treasure, it is a weapon. And that was when his eyes opened and he recognized that he was not supposed to be hiding. He was supposed to be fighting. And what did he do when he got there? He took the sword of Goliath. Folks, the sword of Goliath in many of our lives represent the testimonies of the past that we treat as treasure rather than as weapon. That was a weapon, it was a sword. But because of the conquest and how he was celebrated, he let them take it into the museum and they put it on the wall. And it was there. And that was why he was struggling because many of the other tools that were brought to him were not for giants like him. You know, he looked tiny on the outside, but he was a giant on the inside. And so everything else that he tried before then wasn't working. It wasn't because of the fact that it was not made for him. That which was made for him was that which he took from the hands of the enemy. And that was one of the things that John the Beloved saw on the island of Patmos. And he said the ones that overcame, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the words of their testimony. There were times that I struggled because I didn't know how to bring the weapon of the past that had become a treasure. Long forgotten. And that was the reason why when it was time for them to build another weapon, the biggest weapon they had ever built, the temple of Solomon. Because it wasn't just a house of God. God says, no, I don't live in houses that are made by men. This is for you. You do it for your own sake. It is a weapon for you guys to be able to let the nations know that I am with you. It was almost like a weapon of mass destruction. And that was why its own destruction was very massive, if you know what I mean. But then at the end of the day, when they were about to build that, where did, they get the, where, 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 where did they get the resources from? They went to the shields and the other weapons of war that David had collected. They collected every one of those things and they kept them as artifacts, as treasures, as trophies. And they were observing them and the kingdom was in servitude, was in, was in lack, was in need. But when Solomon came at the wisdom of God, he was like, no, 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 we're not supposed to be a broke people. We have weapons, we have power with which to, to defeat our enemies and to build even stronger artillery. And people were like, uh, where's it going to come from? You're going to pull it out of your hat? He was like, no. Those shields. And they brought them out. So today I want to encourage you. If you would pay attention to these three things and mix them together, 
I believe it is recipe for success in your personal work with walk with God. Remember what this is about is knowing the times that we're in, right? The biggest problem, or no, no, it's not the biggest problem, um, but the worst dilemma of our times or of any time is for people to miss their season. If I was, if I was a man 40 years ago, I don't think I would have made it because I'm not built for that time. No, most people went into the office to work 40 years ago and I've never had an office. The one time that I attempted to have an office was because some people felt like I was worthy of an office and they built me an office, brand new. And when I walked into it, I appreciated the gesture but I knew in my heart that it wasn't for me. I tried to stay in that office for a couple of months. It didn't work. The guy who built me the office one day, he called me. He was like, please come to my office. And he said to me, he said, every time I pass by that office, I see your frame in there, but you're not in there. He said, what can we do for you? I said, cut me loose. I'm not made for this place. But I have continued to add value to do my work and to function. 40 years ago people would have called me names they would have called me lazy they would have called me weird crazy who do, who do you think you are everybody works in an office everybody joins the union who the heck are you you see what i mean a lot of the things that make my life possible today were not even available then and so it is important for you to be in your season and to know your season is very critical and what is the season that we're in we are in that season of John yet again chapter 4 my wife is here John chapter 4 again where Jesus said to the woman the time is coming wherein you will no longer limit your worship and experience of God to the mountains because he could see that the woman was very proud of religion proud of the of the of the artifacts and the museums of the treasures and the trophies jesus says no 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 no. forget those things the time is coming wherein he said it this way he says the father is seeking true worshipers who would worship him in spirit and in truth i almost resisted earlier today when the lord was telling me to rehash this concept of personal relationship with God. I said, God, I said it two weeks ago. I said it again on Sunday. Can we talk about other things now? He said, if you like, but this is what I want to talk about. Because that is what the Father is seeking. The Father is seeking true worshipers who would worship Him in spirit and in truth. In truth. But the problem is, we have been enchanted. And we have to break the enchantment. I was watching... America's Got Talent and it could have been Britain's Got Talent one of those supposed to be Got Talent that don't have talent shows and there was a man who came out it was one man but then there were several people dancing at the same time I don't know what that thing is called but it's got figurines or figures like human figures on a stake on a stick and when he moves his hand everybody moves he controls all kinds of he controlled several people even though it was just one man yeah so the guy was really a puppeteer but the show he was performing was such that he had all of these things about the same height as him dressed differently but then when he moves they moved so it looked like 
a choreography like several people were dancing but it was one guy but the way he's able to do that he cannot do that with people who have a mind of their own he could only do that with things that have no minds who are held onto a stick somewhere I'm going with this the way the enemy has been able to recruit many of us into his army is to ensure that we don't have life within us because when you have life with it, let me, let me tell you something about the life of a believer. Jesus tried to get his disciples to understand. Because let me tell you something, before Jesus came, they all wanted to be like John. Remember that some of Jesus' disciples were previously John the Baptist's disciples. Which is what we do today. You used to be a member of that church. And then after a while, you go to another church. Those guys were disciples of John the Baptist. But when Jesus came and they saw that, wow, his church was more contemporary. Like, well, we love this Jesus. They left John and they went to Jesus. because there was really John did not tell them to stop following him so to speak but it was just like as soon as they saw Jesus they were like oh what's going on in here and John could see that their hearts had left him and then he then said to them well that is the Messiah if you all are tired of being here you can follow him you see what I mean but then at the end of the day Jesus told his disciples stop trying to be like everybody else he says as the wind blows where it wishes so is everyone that is led by the spirit a spirit led life should be so unique and let me let me give you a scripture that would help you and then I'll go back to where I was when God looks at us remember the vision that I saw right from his perspective we are all the same right but don't get it twisted we are not the same we are different tribes different cultures different people now, this, the fact that he sees us looking the same is because every one of us, our uniqueness is an extension of him. So to him, it is only a part of him. But then at the same time, John the Beloved said, he said in the new kingdom, I saw each and every one of them saints of the most high God according to the similitude of Christ and upon their foreheads were written names that only the one who sat on the throne read every one of us has a name that is so unique that even you do not know it only God knows it and that is the reason why he calls us a peculiar people we are a unique people not just in our collective but in our individuality and so if I am that unique before the Lord nobody can write a book that will create or that would summarize in or, or that would depict the fullness of what my experience with God should be like. Because they should not know. Even I would only know when I start walking in it. And so, the reason why I said about the man who was the man with the puppets that he was controlling with a stick is because many of us have fallen prey from, for that strategy of the enemy, which is to bake all of us into the same shape because if we're in the same shape, he can control us. He did it before. Genesis chapter 11. The Bible says, And when man came to the plain of Shinar, they decided that they were going to build a city for themselves whose top goes toward the heavens. 
And they said of that city, it shall be a place that enables us to become one, to remain, not become, to remain one name and one people. And the Lord God Almighty, he caught wind of what they were doing. And it was like, no, not going to happen. He said to the Elohim, the people who created the world along with him, the ones to whom he says, let us now make man in our image. He was like, see what you all have done? He said, if they remain one language and one tongue, he said, there is nothing they choose to do that they will not be able to do. <laughs> uh, let me tell you three things that are in operation there that are happening today. You see, God knew that he had made us and made us so powerful because he made us in his image and in his likeness. And he knew that Satan was looking for power. Remember when he was kicked out of heaven? What was he hungry for? He wasn't asking God for more talent. He wasn't asking God for more gold. He was asking for power. And he wasn't even asking God. He, was, he thought he could go wrest the power from God. And I taught here before. And I don't remember the title of the message. But I taught here before. That all the things that Satan wanted to do. Were the things that he had seen Jesus do. So the first thing he said, he said, I will now I will I will I will arise and go up. The only person who ever rose up and went up was Jesus. And then he says, I will sit at the right, I will sit at the right hand of God. Jesus was the one who sat at the right, of, right hand of God. He said, Then I will ensure that the congregation came to me. But the Bible says, Unto the Lord shall the gathering of his people be. Jesus says, If I be lifted up, I will draw all to me. So Satan had already caught a glimpse. I'm talking about the prophecy of Ezekiel that was describing the things that Jesus did. Satan was aspiring to do those and God already knew. So in, the, in Genesis 11, when the men, when men built the Tower of Babel, God did not have any problem with them recognizing how much power they had the potential of having. He was only concerned because he knew somebody who was more desperate for that power than they were. So many people are like, man, this God is not even patient, he's aggressive. We just built a tiny little tower and he showed up and he started causing trouble. No, he did it because he loves you. Because it was like, if they came together like that, they would have the kind of power that Satan is looking for. That was the reason why he came and confused their language. And stopped them from being one race of people. The Bible says they were one tongue and one speech. Which meant that they were one race and spoke one language. That was when he came and was like, no, we can't. Some of them have to be black like Moses. Some of them have to be white like Lawrence. And this other one, let's just give him yellow. And that one. You see, he, he did all of that to protect us from the power-hungry dragon. You see, but then ultimately what we tend to forget every now and again is that the reason why men did what they did was because they came to the plain of Shinar and they were like, if we continue to grow the way we have been growing, we will become different people. We will have different names. So something within them resisted their uniqueness. They wanted to remain one name. That was why they were building a tower that went up okay and I've, I've thought about that in details I don't want to overlabor us but where I'm going with that is this you see that which resists uniqueness on the inside of you is your flesh and that is the reason why your flesh will continue to tell you it's okay to pray like everybody else prays 
to just do enough of what everybody else is doing. And that's why the Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. It is extreme wickedness to deny God the pleasure of your uniqueness because he made you that he may experience that individuality of himself. Can I just say that again? Which, by the way, I read this in the book many years ago. This was what the man said. He said, God made man in a bid to express his individuality. He is the totality of all things. Right? The reason why women try different clothes on in front of the mirror is because they want to see different expressions of themselves. It's a God nature. So if you've not been spending enough time in the mirror, <laughs> repent. You see what I mean? And so there is that thing within us that tries to limit how much of the uniqueness comes out of us. And that is the reason why we find it very convenient just to do about what everybody else is doing. Now, Satan continues to encourage that behavior in us, but we are in the last days and we need to break ranks. We need to break ranks. I put it to you, we need more than two political parties. Say that again. Yeah, because it's still the same thing. The Sadducees and the Pharisees all over again. You see what I mean? So, and, and that is that is false. What's, what do you call it? Um, it is, 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 a, is false variance or false variety. It is not, it is engineered. Because it's almost like you're forced to choose between this and that. But some people say you can be independent. How popular is that? When was the last time we, you know, elected an independent president? When? When was the last time? We, 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 look, in reality, we have been forced to lose our uniqueness. And conform. Because the devil needs to get us to conform. Because to conform in the way of the world is to be uniform. But the Bible lets us know that the way God wants us to be one is not by uniformity, it is by unity. We just, we are united by the love of God, not by the fact that we're uniform. In the kingdom of God, oneness is not by uniformity, it is by unity, by the Holy Spirit. And that is the reason why when you look at the world that we're living today, the world is trying to get all of us to think in a certain way, to fit a certain mold so that the hungry, the power-hungry dragon can take over our lives and recruit us into his army and get us to fight against the Lord when he comes. And so that is the reason why I said we have been enchanted. And I'm going to just show that to us very quickly. If you can come with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 47. Isaiah 47. And we're going to read from verse 12. What does it say in verse 12 of Isaiah 47? Thank you, Brother Lawrence. It says, and I'm going to drink. Thank you. Isaiah 47. Anybody wants to read it? Let's hear it in someone else's voice. Okay, for the, for the sake of time, because some people forget that Isaiah is in the Old Testament, and they're trying to Google it very quickly. I'm just going to read it once I've found it again. Isaiah 47 verse 12 says, Stand now. <laughs> I'm going to sit down here. Let me, let me just say this to encourage the, 
the prophets amongst us. There are times wherein you hear multiple things at the same time. Right? And so, to hear expressly means you need to be able to listen to God on multiple channels at the same time. It takes a bit of practice. But you first of all need to know that it exists. Nobody taught me that when I was growing up until one day I was already a man. I sat in my, in my bedroom. I was studying the word of God and praying. And the Holy Spirit asked me a question. He said to me, if I speak expressly, who listens expressly? Wow. It's like I never thought about that. You know, the Bible says the Spirit speaks expressly. So he asked me, he says, would you listen likewise? And I said, yes. Just because it sounded like the right answer to the question that he was asking me. But the time came, I almost regretted saying yes. You know what happened to me? After I said yes, and I, I say this just to help you if you've had a similar experience. <sighs> Imagine if you've been listening to a radio station, let's say 91.5. Or 106 live radio. Because yeah, that's the one that I'm on, right? We're on 91.5 as well, but just let's say those two names, okay? God help us. Politics is such a beast. <laughs> if you know, you know. Okay, we're just going to say a totally different radio station. Let's say you're on 419.5. Because then this radio station will say, we're not going to play that message because he mentions that other radio and this other one says we're not going to mention. So, well, you're listening to 419.5 and you're listening to music and you're enjoying the music. And suddenly, every other radio station in the air starts playing on the same device that you have. Is it going to be fun? No, it's going to sound like noise, like chaos. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like this. You know when you turn on your television and you haven't switched to a particular channel. And I'm speaking to people that are 40 years and above in the room. Because people like Will, Pastor Will right here. I don't think you... you oh, oh, wow. You read that in the book though. Because TVs don't make that noise anymore. Remember those days wherein your TV shows the colors of the rainbow? At 4 p.m. All day, no TV. At 4 p.m. it comes on. And for 15 minutes, it's just the different colors. And you're there just twiddling your fingers. Getting excited. And God help you if you were in Nigeria. As soon as they start, the light goes out. I love Nigerians. Sorry. I just don't like your power situation. That sound, that static you hear. Is the modulation of all the frequencies in the air. And that is the reason why you need a demodulator in your, in your device. To separate the various frequencies so you can choose one that is intelligible. So the Holy Spirit came into the room and he said to me, I speak expressly. Who would listen likewise? And my very forward self, I was like, yes, I will. And then I was like, granted. And the little hearing from God that I was hearing at the time seemed to just disappear suddenly. And all I could hear was noise. It was a very difficult time in my life wherein I even struggled to believe the existence of God anymore. Simply because it was just noise. But that was the way God trained me to be able to hear multiple channels at the same time. And so as time went on, after it took, it took a while, 
before I could get back another channel. But then it wasn't one channel that I was able to get. I got multiple. So that's why I can hear God speak to me about different people at the same time and show me different things at the same time because I've learned to listen on multiple channels. I say that because there are people here today by the grace of God because I believe that kind begets kind. That God is raising up to be able to hear like that. And it's important for you to be able to hear like that. To be able to see multiple things at the same time and know exactly what they mean. Why? Because the time is short. You see what I mean? And that is the reason why as soon as Jesus told his disciples that his time was near. Go back and search scriptures. From that moment, almost everything he said had multiple meanings. He was just pushing it out. Multiple channels. Pick and choose. Take yours. Because what made me remember that is was as soon as I picked up my Bible, I felt like sitting down. And I heard, stand up. And I'm like, okay, you want me to stand up? But then when I picked Isaiah 47 verse 12, what does he say? He says, stand now. So he said to me, I didn't mean you shouldn't sit down. I was just telling you what was in the book that you're about to read. So when you're not, when your signals are crossing or your wires are crossing, sometimes you punish yourself when God is not punishing you. So on some days he's not asking you to fast, but because he's telling you to tell somebody to fast. And then you fast and you wonder why you're so hungry. No, because there was no grace provision for the fast for that day. You put it upon yourself. So I sit down. Verse 12 says, Stand now with your enchantments and the multitude of your sorceries in which you have labored from your youth. Literally, what it means is which you have been labored. Perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you will prevail. What does verse 8 say? Actually, verse 7. Verse 7 says, And you said, I shall be a lady forever. So that you did not take these things to heart, nor remember in the latter end. Remember the latter end of them. Therefore, hear this now. You who are given to pleasures, who dwells and there is no one else besides me, I shall not sit as a widow. Folks, I'm going to re- I'm, I will read it through to 12 so that you, will under- you can appreciate the meaning of verse 12 the way the Lord showed it to me. Verse 9 says, But these two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon you in their fullness because of the multitude of what again, remember, sorceries and the great abundance of your enchantments. I'm going to be wrapping up on this today by the grace of God because this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto the churches. We need to wake up from our sleep. Our sleep has not been a sleep of tiredness. We were enchanted by the enemy. That was why Jesus says you have to be sober and be vigilant. He said in the book of Luke, I believe chapter 18, thereabouts, he said in the last days there will be a need for men to awake from the carousing of the enemy and stand with their eyes open. Jesus let us know that in the last days we shall be enchanted. And because of the abundance of the enchantment, we will lose our children and our wives will become widows.
We live in those times wherein we have lost the children. I speak to a lot of parents and I can't remember the last time I spoke to a parent who has not at least one concern about some things that they believe that the children don't believe anymore. I was at a pastor's conference recently and I'm not going to mention which one it is so that you, can't, you won't start guessing which pastors may have had this issue. But we had a round table of several pastors that were weeping because of the fact that their children no longer believe what they believe. And one of them said, I think I know the reason why my son is the way he is. The company that he keeps on the internet and the things that he hears on social media. And the Lord brought me to this Isaiah chapter 47. He said they lost their children to the abundance of enchantment. Do you know the other word for enchantment? Media. Look, we have been so packaged in this generation that things that happened only 2,000 years ago we have forgotten them just 2,000 years ago. Remember Greek mythology. They had a goddess that was called the goddess of enchantment. And what was her name? Medea. The word media came from the name of that enchantress called Medea. And so when you hear social media and you say it with your mouth, what you're declaring is the enchantment of the society. Through mass media, the radio, the television, the movies, isn't it interesting that the most successful movie industry, I don't want to use the word successful because they've done a lot of damage. The most powerful movie industry in the world it's called Hollywood. And we seem to forget just a few hundred years ago, Hollywood was the substance that witches and sorcerers used in enchanting and hypnotizing people. That is the reason why we need to constantly take an assessment of where we have been as human beings with the Lord so that we know the things that he delivered us from so that we don't fall into them again. The reason why we struggle with winning the battle over the media today is because the victories of the past have been taken for a trophy rather than a weapon with which to cut off the head of the snake. God gave us victory six, seven hundred years ago over Medea. When the sorcerers and the enchantresses were put away from society. And they were demonized that people should just be able to do that which is intelligible to them. As opposed to just some magic wonder. But here we are today, the enchantress is back. The goddess Medea is revived amongst us. And we have had in this generation or we now have in this generation an abundance of enchantments. You have not seen all the movies in the world and you can't possibly see them. You haven't read every comic in the world and you can't possibly see them. You haven't, even you that is born in this generation, you haven't seen all the memes in the world. Because while you are yet reading one meme and sending it to your mom, who doesn't know what you mean? A friend of yours, I sent you another one. 
I remember the other day I sent a message. We have a private banker. And so I sent him some transactions to process. And he was responding to each of my messages using memes. So I quickly logged out and went to check my account. Just so that I know that I'm not the joke. You see what I mean? And so when I saw the money was still there, I was like, okay, so can you explain these things? And I was like, oh, I was just letting you know that I was feeling you and I was, and I'm like, don't feel me. Serve me. Do that which I ask you to do. You see, but then at the end of the day, here we are. We, are, we have an abundance of enchantments and sorceries. Sorcery essentially is technology. Because a lot of what happens in technology, you may think you know it, but do you really know it? Coming from a technologist of 20 years. I've been a technologist since I, since I left high school. I've got degrees in technology. I've done businesses in technology. I've set up and sold technology companies. If anybody knows one or two things about technology, I know. But then at the end of the day, we don't know. An example is Bitcoin. You ask people who wrote that first blockchain, or they will tell you, uh, what's his name? Satoshi. No, that's not, it's not Satoshi. Nakamoto. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, Yoshi Nakamoto. Okay, who is Yoshi Nakamoto? Where is he? And how come nobody else can write like he writes? And how come the blockchain keeps modifying itself with such complexity that even the top five programmers in the world says, we only know enough to tell you that it is complex. Uh, but we're sorry, we don't know how it works. Have we not fallen back again into the hands of the sorcerers? And we're losing our children. And somebody says, how did the wives become widows? Do you know how many women today are in therapy because their husbands don't want to sleep with them anymore? Simply because the internet has provided them with abundance of women called porn. And they have become dead to their wives. We have lost the children. They speak languages that we don't understand. Ask most fathers today, their children don't even believe in their political party. If the dad is Democrat, the son is Republican. If the dad is Republican, the son is Democrat. And they're at loggerheads. And I'm not saying that you have to follow what your father believes. But at least there needs to be an engagement. But now there is no engagement. Just transactions. You give me money, I spend it and I come back for more. But you try to tell me how to live my life in the admonition of God. No, that's, keep that to yourself. If you don't want to take my gospel, you're not going to take my dollars. That's the way it works with me, I'm just saying. But what I am saying is this, we are living in that time we're in the abundance. And the Lord says, as we read from verse 12, he says, show me your sorcery, show me your enchantments, and let me see if you can show me your profit. What has it done for us? We are better, we are more connected now by technology than we have ever been. But are we closer than we were? We are more empowered now with technology. But are we doing as much as we used to? It is an illusion. But the Bible says we need to break away from the enchantment of the world. Let me read one verse of scripture to us to get us thinking. To get us started and then and I pray and I know that God is going to speak to you about how you need to break that enchantment. You see because at the end of the day every one of us will live in a world that is not lacking 
in the abundance of enchantment. But the Lord is saying that we need to break away from the enchantment. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 45. Actually, let's do this. Let us do Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 26. Jeremiah 33 26. He says, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David my servant so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will cause their captives to return and will have mercy on them. Let's read that again. He says, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David my servant so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and will have mercy on them. You see, let me tell you something. When they were taken captives, how were they taken captives? They were enchanted away from the God of their salvation and started to follow after other gods that sucked them dry and they became weak enough for the enemy to come and sweep them into captivity. But the Lord says, it is only by my mercy that you escape from any kind of captivity. We need to ask God to have mercy upon us so that every tentacle of, of Medea, of the media, of the enchantress, of enchantment that has had a hold on our hearts, the mercy of God will clip them off, will uproot them actually from the root so that we can be free to think like the royal priesthood that we are and the holy nation that he's called us. We will ask for God to have mercy upon us. You see, because if we don't make the disconnection, there is no way we can fully plug into the presence of God. And without fully plugging into the presence of God, there's no way you can understand the way he's been speaking to you. And if you don't hear what he is saying, you would not know exactly what it meant that which he already said. Many of us standing in here today or sitting in here today, we, have, we are carrying with us treasure boxes of the things that God has said to us that we never opened just because we didn't go finding the key. I tell you what, it was two months ago right here when the Lord said to me, he said, tell them that I am the one building my church. I said in two days I'll prepare my people and on the third day I will come for them. He said, I've already prepared them, they just don't know. And what did he ask us to do on the day? He says, ask of me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. It was about a month ago, actually not two months, wherein I was here and I said that. So basically we are further along than the enemy wants us to know that we are. We are further along than the devil wants us to know that we are. In fact, some of the adversities that we are going through is preparation for temple service. But if the devil continues to deceive us and to get us enchanted, then what happens? We have a car that is full with gas, but the devil makes us to queue in line for coal. What we have is already better than what we're looking for. A lot of us, the entertainment that you're looking for on social media is not as fun as when you read Second Chronicles. 
it is what it is because what he has is sweeter and it's the real honey not the sugar-coated candy that the enemy wants to give you that will run your belly but we need to first of all know that there is in God all of what we need and so why do we not just ask him for mercy he says ask me and I will show you the great and mighty things that you do not know we are, mu we are much further along and let me give you one example and then we're gonna pray you see the followers of David they were of three categories when David was running away from Saul, where did he go? He went into the cave of Adullam. When he got into the cave of Adullam, he did not find people that were having a great time, so to speak. The Bible says there, waiting for him, were men that were discontented, men that were debtors, and men that were, um, there were three Ds, discontent, debtors, and, uh, and discomforted. So these were men who had not seen any of their desires happen in their nation. These were men who for some reason have lost their peace where they were. And some of them had even lost their belongings. They were not the kind of people you want to hang out with if you are running from trouble. Because they themselves, they look like trouble. But after they came together, they decided, okay, this is what we're going to do. We will seek the face of God. And when God spoke to them to move, they moved. But all through the time that they moved, there was really nothing for them to eat. And God took them through a path that had no people. And I'm going to tell you the reason why God did that. You see, number one reason to them why they went through a path where there were no people was because they were avoiding being seen by the spies of Saul. So they went all the back routes to finally get to the temple. And when they got to the temple, they found the provision that God had made for them. But the provision required for them to be pure and fasting. They didn't plan it. The priest said to David, say, look, your men are hungry, I can tell. But the bread that I have has been consecrated to the Lord. And David, being a man who spent enough time in the presence of God, he knew what it meant. Immediately, he said to the priest, he said, you... You're, you're, we're good because these men have been fasting for three days and they have not even seen a woman talk less of touch one so what was their deprivation was their preparation but until the Lord opened their eyes they did not even know that they were further along than they were they looked disadvantaged and impoverished and so let me tell you something, all of the things that the devil has done to the body of Christ in this generation, all of the things that have been stripped from us, all of the labels that have been given to us that are not ours, the powerlessness that we have experienced, it is not a disadvantage, it is not a deprivation just, it is part of our preparation. This is the time for us to draw close to God as individuals. It doesn't matter what anybody has ever told you, as good as it might be, seek what God is telling you. What we have seen in recent times and the reason why majority of believers or Christians, I should say, are discouraged in the world today is because they hinge their hopes on the things that the prophets said. Especially the older prophets. And be careful. When something is being said and it's being said only by the older prophets, run. Because when the older prophets alone spoke in the Bible, what they said was misleading, even though it was from the Lord. And I've explained all of that here before because you see all the people that said, oh, this is the way the election is going to go. It's going to be a landslide. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Many people are now saying to them, oh, they never heard from God. They're false prophets. 
in Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, he said to him, he said, because the people have exalted idols in their hearts, I will raise my prophets and I will put words in their mouth to mislead the people that I may humble them. So, this is not the time to point accusing fingers and say, oh, you did. I saw somebody point, I think it's on the book of Deuteronomy chapter 39 or so, where the Bible says that if a thing is said by a prophet or by a seer and it did not come to pass, then he hasn't heard from God. Some people are alluding to that fact, but what they did not understand is that the original words that were used in there to represent the mouth and the head put a distinction between the seer and the prophet. The seers have the license to say things that they see. That doesn't mean it's going to come to pass. It is only the prophet that says a thing and it comes to pass. And I've taught here before. When God first of all found Samuel, Samuel was not a prophet. Samuel was a seer. When Saul and the, and the servant of the father, when they were looking for Samuel, they weren't looking for a prophet. They were looking for a seer. And the people who met them along the way, they said, oh, you seek the seer, the man of God. He lives right on that side of the hill. But between the time of hearing the testimony of others about Samuel, and when they found him, God showed up to Samuel. And he said to him, he said, they have called you a seer. I said, but from now on, I put my words in your mouth. Whatever you say, I will bring it to pass. Let us not confuse the ministry of the seers and that of the prophets. When the old seers are seeing, especially in these last days, they are seeing in the same unction of Peter. Peter's unction ran out. And when I say ran out, don't get me wrong, the gift and the callings of God, they are without repentance. But in particular, the unction upon his life, Jesus said to him, he said, the time is coming, Peter, where you will no longer be able to see and walk by yourself. Another will lead you. That is the same thing that we're seeing these days, that many people are no longer seeing by themselves. But they're still speaking because they already have a platform but then at the end of the day all of that is working together for our good because now god is letting us know that it is not just enough for you to run with the prophet what the prophet said on that tv or what you heard on youtube that the prophet said it doesn't matter if 22 prophets said it for 22 hours you still need to hear this is what god is doing god is saying they have idolized media in their hearts they would rather listen to a prophecy for two minutes and spend two days on social media god says no we need to switch that around i want to teach you how to listen to me yourself so i will let the prophets fail you We have been going to the mountains to receive what the Lord is saying. But the Lord is saying to the Samaritan, the time is coming wherein it's not going to be about the mountain. It's going to be in spirit. Let me tell you something. When the Lord showed this to me, it hit me like a pile of bricks. He said to me, when I told the woman that the time is coming when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He said, men have always taken the two things to be separate. You worship him in spirit. And then when you're coming out of the spirit, then you go into truth. You see what I mean? So when I'm in room 317, that is the truth, which is Jeremiah 317. When I am in room 124, I mean, I mean, 1246, which is John chapter 12, verse 46, I am in the spirit. You know, we have all of these things that we normally do. The Lord said to me, he said, it is when you worship the Lord in spirit that you receive his truth. Everything else out there right now is false. No matter how well packaged that religion is or that curriculum is, as long as you only hear that and you don't hear what God is saying to you personally, 
you will stumble. Can I, look, I, I think I should rest my case here for today. But ultimately, the goal is we need to have a personal relationship with the Lord. We need to start to talk to him one-on-one. -on -one. We need to learn how to ask him and say, Father, I know this is what you have said through Prophet Moses Anderson. What are you saying to me? What does it mean to me? Because I am a peculiar generation. I am unique. You made me in your image and in your likeness. Not in that man's image. Not in that man's likeness. You see, we need to do that because it's exciting for God. I'm going to say this finally, truly, and close. About two years ago, or three years ago, now 2018 sometime, somebody came here. I was standing right here, right about here somewhere, and came to ask for prayers. And I was about to pray for this lady, and the Lord said to me, slow down, wait, before you pray, ask the lady if she's prayed. And I was like, but she came to me to pray. Yeah? And the Lord said to me, I, I know that you can pray for her, but the Lord said to me, I want to hear her in her own voice. It's been a while. So I said to the lady, I said, woman of God, you need to ask for yourself because God is saying he hasn't heard your voice in a while. He hasn't. And many, some people are like, but wait a minute, but I still prayed yesterday. No, you didn't pray, you complained. There's a difference. There's a difference between, oh God, can you see what's going on in this nation? Can you see what they're doing to your elect? Can you see what they're doing to the anointed? Can you see what they're doing to me? And God is like, I am God. I see everything. Rather than complaining, ask. He says, ask of me and I will show you. Instead of saying, God, can you see what they're doing in this nation? When was the last time you asked God and said, God, what are you doing in this nation? Because he's the one that rules over the affairs of men. The real thing going on in this nation is by the end of God. What you're seeing on TV is the illusion of the illusionist. Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house That's www.communion.house Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.